Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from an interdimensional swimming pool discussing the 1986 horror comedy, House. House was directed by Steve Miner from a screenplay by Ethan Wiley adapted from a story by Fred Decker. Decker's original story called for a traditional straight horror film, but after creative comedic input by Wiley, we are left with a film that blends horror, humor, and impressive creature design. This film was recommended to us by friend of the show, Wendigo Getter, and all-around fantastic human, Kent Morton. Go follow his awesome dog on Instagram at super underscore mutant underscore alien underscore baby. As always, thank you, Kent. So, what did you guys think about House the first time you saw it? I think I was five. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is going to be in one of those categories to where I watched it a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember this movie very much. And it it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, But I know it's not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those good, you know what I mean? Like, or to me, I watch it and I'm just, you know what I mean? Seeing it and I'm laughing and I'm like, oh shit. And there is like the creature design. Oh, you know what man. I mean? Yeah. Is This movie's good. You know what I mean? I know it might not be the best, but it's not a bad movie. Hmm. I I mean, I remember watching it as a kid and I have a very different story probably from <laughs> <laughs> how you watched it. I know Nate probably remembers very well. I do. But there's it gets to a point in the film there. I think I was like maybe four or something You're years little. old, but it gets to a point in the film where one creature makes an appearance and I threw myself under the blanket. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, I was not a fan. And it's crazy because we'll we'll talk more as it happens, right. but um, I, I distinctly remember being under the blanket for a long time. And then <laughs> I remember it was either, it was like the Animaniacs or Scooby-Doo, but I had to watch that with Nay and my parents afterwards to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I think it's so funny to me because we watched way scarier right. horror movies as kids, but for some reason this horror comedy <laughs> <laughs> just got to me. I don't know. I think that just speaks to the creature design though. Very yeah. F- yeah, very fair. And that that is something that needs to be called out because even watching it for the show to talk about it today, mm-hmm. it still holds up. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like there are a few creatures that we talked Nay and I probably aren't the biggest fans of, mm-hmm. but there are a few that look pretty great. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of practical effects. Oh yeah. Definitely. Always for the win. But no, it's a very fun movie. Very entertaining. Not one to really dive into per se. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's fun. I love house. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so much. I don't even, it's funny because I've been waiting to cover this one for so long. And now that we're doing it, it's like, we're fucking doing it. I love this movie. We did watch it when we were kids, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then me and John Paul watched it together. And then it had been some years. And I remember rewatching it with you, T, and Mm -hmm. our parents. (laughs) And just fucking having the time of my life going back to it. The funniest thing to me is that we kind of just threw it on as like a throwback, but you, <laughs> I, it's been a long time since I've seen you enjoy a movie. 
<laughs> that much like i was genuinely surprised i because usually we throw on a movie and it's like a mini pod mortem where we yeah. just kind of <laughs> rip on rip it, on it yeah. but you were we were joking don't get yeah. me wrong but you had like awe in your eyes i love it so much <laughs> there's a point and i'll point it out when we were rewatching it it got to a certain point in the movie and i was like this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is. It, it really is. is. It's a lot, man. One thing I do want to point out is I feel like this movie kind of doesn't get the credit it deserves. It doesn't. Yeah. I feel like there there are certain moments, I'll point them out, I feel like they kind of either pioneered certain things or at the very least definitely influenced other horror films. For sure. And it's kind of crazy because nobody ever really... Outside of us in Kent, I guess. Yes. Yeah, that's funny you bring that up because uh, a good friend of mine, we've mentioned uh, before on the show, Seth. Yeah. Uh, he told me the other night, he was like, I've never seen that movie or heard of it. I feel like most people yeah. haven't. Yeah, and a couple of the other guys on there, they were like, yeah. I was like, what? It's like, how have you never heard of this? <laughs> it's surprising. It's not fair. No. I think, honestly, the thing that gives it the staying power that it has mm -hmm. is the fact that it is that horror comedy. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I know you had mentioned at the top with Fred Decker wanting to just make a straight horror film. Yeah. I had read he did an interview with this site called Movies Made Easy, and he said that the idea came to him to make this horror film, and he was going to fill it with the scariest shit he could think of. <laughs> and he said that he was gonna film it because I guess he grew up in a house like the house in the film uh -huh. and a scary ass house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess his parents still owned it so he was gonna shoot it himself mm -hmm. oh, super wow. low budget and direct it but I guess he was writing another film and so he gave it to I guess his former college roommate who was Ethan Wiley wow and then Ethan Wiley's like let's put some fucking jokes yeah. in here <laughs> I can't even imagine what it would look like without no and he said that yeah. he has he has an interest in making the version he had in his head but huh. i'm like i don't know it's man. Not gonna be this. No. <laughs> <laughs> now before we dismember and bury this film we would like to issue a warning for spoilers podmortem is a very in-depth podcast and in thoroughly discussing horror films we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two if you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film then come back and enjoy the show if you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers then let's move in so the film opens with the credits and we literally go through the title card to the start of the <laughs> film. We see a large, white, almost Victorian house. You say Victorian. I'm not an architect, but I think that the style of this house is haunted. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it's beautiful, but it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. It literally looks haunted, right? Mm -hmm. But we finally get a sweeping shot across the house's property, including a little cat that runs by. Yeah. I had to mention Love the it. cat. Until we finally get to the front of the house. So just a couple things before we go into the house. Mm -hmm. I did want to make mention of Sean Cunningham producing this. Uh-huh. Of Friday the 13th mm -hmm. fame. And Steve Miner directing it of Friday the 13th yeah. fame. <laughs> <laughs> and Roger Corman, New World Pictures. Yeah. I saw he's uncredited as a producer. Mm-hmm. That's weird, That is right? weird. Uh, continuing with the connections there, I know we're not at any stunts yet, mm -hmm. but the stunt coordinator was Kane Hodder. Yeah. Which we love. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's just nuts. And I never knew, like, there's so many ties, like, there's even little sly references to horror franchises mm -hmm. and horror people yeah. in this. I never caught that until I watched it for this. The cast itself is surprising. Yes. Uh, very oh, like much. the people who show up and <laughs> yes. like, what? It's it's unbelievable. And I did want to point out the infrared house 
opening. Yes. Very House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> I, uh, oh, fuck. You're right. He's never seen this. Oh, no. He, <laughs> or Texas Chainsaw. We, we weren't even thinking about it. <laughs> so he claims. So Otis. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> An unnamed grocery boy, played by James Calvert, pulls up on his bike with groceries and makes his way up to the front door. He knocks, but the door just opens on its own. He calls out to the occupant, but gets no answer. He leaves the groceries and is like, I'll just get the money next time. Yeah. <laughs> and tries to leave, but he hears a noise upstairs. And of course, it's a horror movie. He goes to investigate. Of course. Now, I believe a purse was on the stairs. Mm-hmm. I would have just collected. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I would have just taken right. her money. I would have said, look, I'll leave the receipt. I'm not a thief. Right. You were going to pay me anyway. Right? No. Oh, right. no. <laughs> I guess we'll investigate right. what then. What if there's exact change, though? Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> this is clearly for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he remarks on some odd artwork on the wall and <laughs> continues his search. Finally, he gets to the bedroom to find Elizabeth Hooper, played by Susan French, hanging from her neck in the middle of the room. She's swinging back and forth. The grocery boy screams and runs away. That's a bit abrupt. Yeah, uh, yeah the movie just started. <laughs> then, I guess he's not getting a tip. Oh, no. Uh, he's not even getting his payment. Oh, shit. Could have snagged the purse on the way. Right. Uh, <laughs> Go back to the purse. Yeah. She's not going to be using it. But we get a shot from the outside of the house of him jumping onto his bike and just getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> We cut to a cemetery in the middle of like a rainstorm. It's Elizabeth's funeral, only attended by a few people, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty sad. Well, the budget was three million, so they might not <laughs> yeah. have been able to afford <laughs> extras. One of them is her nephew, Roger Cobb, played by Tommy Ross himself, William Cat, not to be confused with Cat Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I would. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe this is only 10 years after Carrie? No, it's crazy. Wow, really? Yeah. Dude, and I will say one thing about William Cat is he is so committed to this role. 100. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that because yeah. at no point is this dude not giving his everything <laughs> wow. at this movie. And if he phoned it in for a second, this movie wouldn't work. Yeah. No, oh, no. you have to yeah. fully commit to what everything that's happening here. <laughs> But an old man next to him tells him that his aunt wasn't crazy. She wasn't one to just go and do something like this. She was a good woman. And Roger's like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I think this is a good point to talk about the transitions between (laughs) this movie. It's quite a bit. I always think of... um, on the Simpsons when Homer was making that that thing and he's like and then we star wife yeah because it's like a slide or it's yeah. hilarious for some reason to me there's one transition that'll come up later that is so egregious <laughs> that it's great. unbelievable I can't wait but we get one of those slide transitions and we're in a bookstore with some very ravenous fans Roger is apparently an author and is doing a book signing When one of the fans tells him that they've been waiting for a long time and asks what his next book is going to be about, Roger says that it's going to be about his experiences in the Vietnam War and the fan does not look (laughs) excited anymore. I did want to point out, I think this coming out in 1986, Stephen King made it all the rage to have a writer protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, and honestly, with some of the subject matter that happens in this film, I can see a lot of Stephen King influence. For sure, yeah. yeah. But that's just the biggest one. 
but a character credited as a woman in bookstore played by Mindy Sterling. Yeah, I, I cannot believe it. Shut up. That's you. He says that's what I sound like when she's like, Zen in the cloud. <laughs> she's Austin Powers. She's yeah. screaming it. <laughs> I guess anyway. I don't get screamed at by Naya. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she pipes up from further down the line and asks if it's true that he's married to Sandy Sinclair. Roger says that he was, but they're divorced now. But the woman is like, listen, she's marvelous. And <laughs> I, you know, I watch her show. Da, da, da. It's like they're divorced. Yeah. yeah. I do love how varied his fans are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You got like a Billy Idol looking motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, I you thought got, that too. I was like, damn, you know, they're all different. That was my next point. They are people of all types, yeah. Yeah. including beloved 80s punks, which yes. I was yeah. very thrilled to see. <laughs> we miss you people. We do. Yeah. But he asks his manager, Frank, played by Steve Suskind, who these people even are. And Steve's like, they're your most devoted fans. <laughs> we cut to them walking down the street as Frank reminds Roger that his last book, Blood Dance which that's a title, mm-hmm. is over a year old and he can't keep holding book signings for it. His fans want something new. He asked Roger to just produce anything because if he doesn't have a book ready by the end of the month, he's going to have to pay double day back his advance. Ah, shit. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't see anything wrong with letting him coast on it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's only been a year. Yeah, but I mean, again, we're in the Stephen King heyday. Yeah, where you got to put out a new one. <laughs> where every... it's a, there's a monthly novel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, th- I mean, you know, like fucking Maroon 5, uh, didn't they coast on songs about Jane they for did. like 15 years? <laughs> <laughs> for a couple decades, yeah. Yes. But he reminds Roger that he's already lost his wife over this. He doesn't need to lose his career, too. He needs to move on with his life. And newsflash, no one wants to read about the Vietnam War anymore. Now, at this point, we don't know what he's talking about. But when you find out what he's talking about, it is fucked up that he yeah. said this to him. Very much. I don't see what's wrong with letting him write it. No, we want yeah. it now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and you need to completely change what it's about. Yeah. yeah. You want a book so bad, this is yep. what you got. Pick one. But he says that they want horror. But Roger stands his ground. This book is something that he has to do. He has to write it. We cut to Roger at home. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's something small. But this man opens his freezer and there's a bunch of like frozen TV dinners. Mm -hmm. He picks one up and throws the whole ass thing into the microwave and sets it for 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. I was wondering, I was like, was the cooking process different back then? I I don't know. First, you take it out of the box. Yeah. And some of them are like some holes, holes in it. Yeah. Vent it. No, he's like mm-hmm. half and an hour. If if the house isn't burned down, the yeah. food will be fine. Don't you have to take the brownie out as well? <laughs> oh yeah. The desserts in there. Yeah. It made me laugh because they f- straight up show this is banquet TV dinners. Yeah. And then later there's a diet Coke facing the camera. I'm like, Thanks. of course it is. Got some cash for this man. But he fires up his top of the line 1986 computer (laughs) and the title of his new book stares back at him. One Man's Story, A Personal Account of the Vietnam War by Roger Cobb. Can you explain to me why Seth Brundle's computer didn't feel dated, but (laughs) this 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 one one did? I was like, wow, it is the 80s, folks. I I looked, I was like, damn, (laughs) what the fuck is that? We've come a long way. But he immediately turns it back off, takes out his address book, and makes a call to the FBI. He asks for Agent Thatcher, who immediately tells him that there's no information on his son. As soon as he knows something, he'll call Roger. And in the meantime, he needs to stop harassing a CSI agent. And Roger's like, okay, and hangs (laughs) up. 
lot of exposition up top. Yeah. Uh, very, very a lot. But then you realize that's what the fuck his agent is telling him. Get over it. You've already yeah. lost your wife. Move yeah. on. So what a fucking asshole. We'll get a new agent. Yes. Yeah. But he just took it. He's just like, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going to write the book. I anyway. do need a book. <laughs> But the phone immediately rings and he answers, turning up his stereo loudly. And it's Sandy Sinclair, played by Kay Lenz, on the other end. She asks what all the sound is. And he, he's like, guys, turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is she asks who's there. And he's like, oh, fuck, I didn't plan yeah. for like, any you know, follow-up questions. Just guys, yeah. you know, But damn, you, he couldn't even have named anybody no. off the top of his head. He just, uh, Joe, uh, somebody. Bill. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of guys, but the poker hand is getting way yeah. out of hand. <laughs> or the poker game is getting way out of hand. But we see that Sandy is wearing an expensive dress and calling from an awards party. She tells him that she lost and he offers his condolences saying he's so busy he forgot all about the awards. <laughs> She seems genuinely happy at the prospect that he's writing again and tells him that she's just calling because she got his message and she's sorry to hear about his aunt, which is nice. I've seen way worse ex-husband wife situations. Yeah, definitely. Like they seem very cordial. Especially for them to have broken up over something like a missing child. Right, right. Uh Like they're very respectful and nice. Especially her, because he's lying the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And I'm sure she knows, but she's... I'm sure, not calling him out. Very kind. He tells her that he went back to the house and she snaps at him asking why he keeps doing this to himself. People approach her to take pictures and Roger seizes the moment to rush and get off the phone. He's holding up the poker game after all. So, you know, he's got to get back to it. And it's great because we see the empty table behind him the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But she hangs up and he calls after her, but the connection has been broken. He calls himself a jerk and it fades to black. That's another thing we do a lot is fade to black. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he really put on that whole ass act to cave at the end. And yeah. He's like, no, wait. Sandy. He did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When she's long gone. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, <laughs> you should have talked to her when she was calling you. Mm-hmm. No. But that night we see Roger tossing and turning in his sleep in the throes of a nightmare. In his nightmare, we see from his point of view as he walks through a jungle, a little boy sits on the ground next to a cross. Suddenly, a hand juts up from the ground and the little boy screams. Is this kid playing in a pet cemetery? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Roger wakes up in his bed shaken and panting. He goes to his closet, takes out his suitcase and hastily begins to pack. The next thing we see is Roger pulling up at his aunt's house to find the realtor, Mr. Parker, played by Michael Ensign, waiting for him. They go inside and Mr. Parker explains that he didn't expect to hear from Roger so soon. He just put the for sale sign up yesterday. Two quick things. First, Craven Realty on the sign. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that very much. Second thing I saw on, I read actually on this website called (laughs) rogercobb.com. Rogercobbhouse.com. That's my website. uh, (laughs) You don't appreciate me getting information from it? That's just for me and Kent and John Paul. (laughs) (laughs) But they had the production notes on that website. And one of the things I found out is that the exterior of the house is a real home Mm -hmm. they found in Monrovia, California. Oh, wow. At the time of filming, it was owned by two firemen, which is just interesting to say. It's a big old house. (laughs) Yeah. But the interesting thing is that the interior of the house was a two-story set. Oh, wow. And it looks so good. It does. It looks like a real house. Yeah. The production design in this film, and we'll get to one thing in particular in a bit, Mm -hmm. is pretty spectacular. It is. It's a perfect film. It's not a perfect film. (laughs) (laughs) 
but he assures Roger that everything's in order and he didn't need to make the trip down here. They go inside and marvel at Roger's uncle's record-winning fish in the living room. It's so big that he held a U.S. record for two years. It was a big-ass swordfish. Yeah. fucking huge. I heard swordfish is delicious, but I've never fought Neither one enough I. to... Fought one. <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know how you catch a swordfish. Uh, you probably just buy it. Oh, that's a lot easier <laughs> for me. <laughs> Mr. Parker follows Roger closely as he tells him that they'll hold the auction next month and he can really get a lot of money for some of this junk. This is a dead relative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no shit. The, you know? The tactlessness uh-huh. of these people is just astonishing. What if he's like, I bought her that coffee table? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, he doesn't know. But he literally offers Roger a tour of the house and Roger's like, I, I know my way yeah. around. I grew up here. <laughs> and then this nosy ass realtor is like, well how, how'd that happen like, yes who are you um will this help you sell the house <laughs> yeah <laughs> but roger explains that when his mother died he came here and his aunt raised him they go outside to see the swimming pool that is in the backyard and we get a flashback mm. but roger's doing yard work while the little boy from his dream is sitting down in the yard playing with toy cars we now learn that this little boy is his son, Jimmy, played by twins Eric and Mark Silver. The funniest thing to me about the fact that they're played by twins, which I know is the standard yeah. in mm-hmm. films like this, child labor laws, thank you for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, unions. Um, the thing about it is on Amazon Prime, which I was watching it on, mm-hmm. they have like the little IMDB thing on mm-hmm. the bottom. And they had the same picture yeah. for both twins. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was just, no. I was no. like, oh, that can't be right. No, That's only one of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't know who's who. I, we can keep track of that shit. But he looks back at Jimmy to find nothing but the toy cars. He goes out to the front calling after his son and we see a car peeling off around yeah. the corner. Yeah. So I'm like, child abduction. Mm-hmm. Stranger danger. It's the 80s. Uh-huh. Panicked, he calls for Sandy, who asks if he's checked out in the back. He runs to the back to find Jimmy in the pool, splashing around frantically. The score here is working its ass off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the score is actually really good it's in this amazing. movie. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. I think the the guy that did it also did the score for the Friday the 13th films. Of course he did. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> but wasn't, didn't the scene start in the backyard? I think the side. I okay. think right. they were on the side of the house. He ran to the front and then ran to the back. Because I'm like, I would check the pool first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Roger dives in the water, coming up for air and going back in to search again. But Jimmy is just gone. Well, in all fairness, he dives into the water. And does some ballet. And then, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he turns around first. If I, okay, if if right in front of me is a fucking child drowning, no, yeah. I will dive into the pool and continue in that direction. He dives in and turns around. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He lost his bearings. He's bearing. like, I'm disoriented. I wa- wondered that too. It's like, why is he flopping around? Yeah. And- Honestly, the way I am with direction, that would be That's me. That's like, <laughs> is there a compass or a mini map that I could use in this pool? It wouldn't help. No. <laughs> But back in present day, Mr. Parker is trying to get his attention. He shows him into the studio, which he proposes would make a great guest house. So Roger grew up here. Why is he being shown around like he's never been yeah. here? When he literally said, Ex- yeah, I, I grew up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so with the flashback, would you say that Roger and his family lived in this house with the aunt? Okay, so that was that's a big question. I mean, this movie is perfect, but I do right. have a couple questions. <laughs> One of them being, yeah, were they just visiting Aunt Elizabeth and then right, some bad right. shit happened? Or were they all living there together 
I don't know. And then there's a room that we see later on that makes me even more confused. Yeah, because it, yeah. Honestly, and the way that he was working outside, he could very easily have been doing work for his aunt. Yeah, just helping yeah. her. Yeah. Or he could be like, well, I live here. I'm trying to make it look nice. Yeah. Right. I don't know. No. And he never says. <laughs> but this film is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's not perfect. But Mr. Parker keeps detailing the setup of the studio as Roger looks around. Mr. Parker finally asks what happened to Roger's uncle. And when Roger starts to tell the story, there's a harpoon gun that the realtor is just playing with. And it goes off the arrow narrowly missing Roger and landing in the beam right next to him. And Mr. Parker's just like, (laughs) whoops. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking asshole. You almost murdered him. dude. Literally. (laughs) He quickly changes the subject to Roger's aunt's painting. He shows him the last pieces that she'd been working on. And It's a woman going into an open door. There's a stopwatch suspended over the scene and a grandfather clock behind her. The sink next to the woman has blood inside of it. Mm -hmm. And in the upper corner, there's like a towel thrown over it. I feel like a lot of these paintings are like oddly either prescient or Mm -hmm. showing things that have happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to read into them because there's one that pops up later that's like, oh, shit, we just. Absolutely. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But Mr. Parker says that she was a very morbid woman and the painting gives him the creeps, which again is (laughs) fucking rude. She just died. But he says it's a painting of her bedroom closet, the same room where she hung her uh, passed away. Thanks, guy. I can't. Roger says that she thought the house was haunted and we see him looking at a picture of himself, Sandy and Jimmy. We get another flashback of the police telling Roger that Jimmy is just nowhere to be found. Aunt Elizabeth is like skulking around the corner yeah. listening to them. Roger is still wet from the pool. So this like just happened. Yeah. And Sandy is sobbing in his arms. He says he saw Jimmy in the pool and jumped in. The cops like best I can do is an APB. Finally, Aunt Elizabeth speaks up. It was the house that did it. Sandy tells her to shut up and calls her an old bat Jerry Seinfeld style before <laughs> running out of the room. Did he steal her marble yes. ride? Yeah. <laughs> I do want to point out it made me laugh. Like after she got called an old bat, she just goes touchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let you didn't give a shit. She no. She what wasn't hurt. Bitch. She's like, look, I am old. That's yeah. fine. I can't do anything about that. But but back in present day, Roger apologizes to Mr. Parker and tells him that he's not going to sell the house. In fact, he's going to stay here a while to work. Mr. Parker dejectedly sets the keys down and is like, well, I hope you reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not like, happy about I it. I need that commission. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I mean, it's a nice house minus the history. Yeah. yeah. And I'd probably even still live there. Just yeah. me? No. I mean, are we talking about the suicide or are we talking about your child going missing there? Well, am I Roger? Because <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not Roger, I don't really give a shit about either thing. So That's I'd live nice. there. But I mean, if I am Roger, I think that... If okay, if I'm Roger, I think I have to stay here because I feel your like there's kid. yeah. Well, I would never leave because what if what if your son is like being held captive and he can find his way back home right. exactly. and now a fucking stranger lives here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would never leave. You have to. Mhm. And then Aunt Elizabeth's ghost can we can chill. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I got cable. I mean, they were cool in the life. Yeah. In, in the, the life. life. <laughs> in the in the world they of the living. They were cool in the life. Yeah, they were both in the mafia is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 
that night, Roger sits in front of the computer screen displaying the title of his book once again. Finally, he gets up and wanders around the room looking at his uncle's record fish. There's a random ass jaw on the wall and Roger runs his finger along one of its teeth and promptly cuts himself. Yeah. What what did you think was going to happen? He draws blood and immediately sticks his finger in his mouth. This is a massive pet peeve of mine. You know why? I don't know if you remember what mom used to say about that. No. That drinking your own. Oh, God. Sorry. Drinking your own blood makes you evil. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And, you know, the thing is, is that I'm not I don't think that she's wrong. (laughs) But but I think the reality of it was is she had to come up with something scary to keep us from doing something gross. Don't do that. But I never turn you into a monster. Every single fucking character in every film ever does that. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like maybe if I wasn't taught that as a kid, I would do. I don't know why. I feel like that's probably why I don't. So now so Roger's a bad just, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a normal thing to do and we're just like, eat God. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't we have an uncle when we were growing up that said if you ate a burnt french fry, you'd turn into a dragon? <laughs> I don't remember that <laughs> Well, that's why I threw away all my black french fries. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> We had a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that goes on par. Do you remember? And I, I think people in the South say this. Let me know uh, at Blood and Smoke if you've ever said or heard that when it's raining and sunny outside, it means that the devil <laughs> the devil's yeah. beating his wife. Yeah. Which I'm like, who <laughs> married the devil? There's a lot of questions here that need some answering. <laughs> There's so many questions. But I've heard that forever. Even now, if I look outside and it's doing, I'm like, wow, well, then I, I'm, I feel really bad for her. What more can you expect from the devil? But anyway, don't don't drink your own blood. But no. Roger did. And he suddenly hears a sound from upstairs and calls, hello, up from the staircase. I mean, it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. When he hears more clattering, he goes up to investigate. When he hears a woman's voice, he starts investigating room by room. Now, this was my question. Mm-hmm. He goes into a childhood room. A child's room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's never been a phrase. Well, I, don't know right. <laughs> I don't know if it's his childhood room or his son's room. I feel like it has to be his son's. Yeah, I, I would think that if he grew up there, he had his room there. And if it was just his aunt there, then she, you know what I mean? When he had his son, why not turn it into the kid's room? And okay, I mean, so I guess that makes sense. There's enough rooms where like, uh, Jimmy could have had a room there whether he lived there or not. Like my nephew Aiden. He yeah. has his own room at my mom's house. Uh-huh. Yeah, whether he's there or not. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that doesn't mean that they lived there. I'm still confused. Well, but my thing is, is that if it's supposed to be Roger's room, I would feel like if he grew up all the way there, that's not the room of an 18-year-old. He was full of childlike wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was like cartoon cheats, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like base bar or some yeah. shit. Yeah. And the bed was quite small. It was, it was yeah. a child's room. He That's why to, it was. You yeah. had to sleep in the fetal position. <laughs> but anyway, when he finally gets to his aunt's bedroom, she's just standing there in the middle of the room. She tells him that the house won. As she puts the noose around her neck, she tells him that it's going to trick him too because it knows everything about him. She advises him to leave while he can and jumps. He runs to catch her, but she completely disappears. He was oddly chill about seeing her ghost. I would be excited. Well, I mean, that's yeah, your she aunt. Did, it's she not like a stranger. Yeah. But she's not doing something that appears fun. Well, not well, no. at first. She was just standing there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not that fun. I like to sit. No. <laughs> 
She's just laying down in the yeah. middle of the floor. Now that's great. But from the outside of the house, we see that he goes around and turns on all the lights in the oh, house. Oh, no, I'm gone. Yeah. Which, again, this gives the movie points for me. Because yeah. I've talked about before how it annoys me. Nobody oh, turns no, the lights yeah, on. Yeah. And he turned but on every single every one. Every single light. But he goes to the medicine cabinet and considers taking a Valium, but puts it back. He gets into that small kid's bed and goes to sleep. This is what made me think that it was his room because wouldn't like you be fucked up about sleeping in your missing son's bed? I feel like well, I would just lay there and cry. I think no. it's the exact opposite. No, they, or you I, would I feel close to him. Exactly. Yeah, I, that's why I'm saying if it was his old room and then it was his son's room because he got, you know what I mean, big yeah. and then psychology yeah, yeah man but i mean it takes all kinds different people would do different things yeah but yeah. he seems very comfortable there the next morning as he goes to the curb to throw away trash bags he shoes a dog away from literally being inside the trash yeah. can <laughs> a woman jogs by and they smile at each other and he watches to see that she lives right across the street from him and i'm sure that she's impressed by that deep v-neck because uh, that's all i'm looking at i, I love gonna- it <laughs> I was like, if we don't say one word about it, I'm going to be very surprised. How, how can you not? It's the deepest V in the history of these. And the weird thing is that as I was looking at it, I was like, well, would it be made normal if he was wearing an undershirt? I was like, no, it would nope. look even no. fucking out. Yeah, I had the same thought. And I was like, maybe it's because he doesn't have anything on. No, it's no. still too low. It's is, still the deepest V of all, of all <laughs> no, Vs. I can it's, go lower. <laughs> I can practically see his belly button. No, but yeah. It's like that Jennifer Lopez dress. <laughs> <laughs> but he's all smiles until his neighbor harold oh my god played by george went speaks up like she's pretty huh it's like what the fuck <laughs> but he tells roger that it's nice to have a new neighbor because the lady that lived there before was just nuts the biggest bitch under the sun a senile old hag somebody probably just got fed up and off her <laughs> and roger's like that was my aunt and Harold's like, oh, uh, but I mean, she had a heart of gold. She was a saint and beautiful. It honestly, it felt like a David Brent moment. (laughs) Like worst, worst person I've ever met. It's my aunt. Uh, Heart of gold. (laughs) Best person I've ever met, really. Full David Brent energy. (laughs) But I just love Harold. Dude, he's the audacity of this man yeah there are there are times in this film that i'm like dude yeah. he is both the That's best what, and the worst character so saying the people in the movie it's yeah. like, what the fuck what and, are you doing here it's norm yeah. yes but he invites roger and the family to dinner but roger tells him that he's alone harold's like even better we can get burgers and watch the game but roger stresses that he's a writer and he came here for the solitude i did think that was a little rude it's a yeah, little, little rude, bit, but yeah. you can tell, dude, the second you meet this dude, oh. that if you don't put down some boundaries yeah. immediately, mm-hmm. and I mean, we'll get into it later, but these boundaries don't even work. Yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> but, I mean, I'd be getting tired of the banquet TV dinners that I keep burning. Yeah. yeah. He said, what do you say? Burgers? That I keep bur- He said burgers. Uh. I mean, shit. <laughs> yeah. I'll put up with anybody for a good burger. That's an upgrade. Yeah. But <laughs> that's when Harold puts it together. A writer, you're Roger Cobb, and I'm your biggest fan. As proof, he takes what appears to be a loose leaf book. Did <laughs> <laughs> you just keep it at yeah. all times? I think, do y'all think he knew who he was when he went out there? I'm sure. Because he's like, wait a minute, you're yeah. Roger. Well, I mean, if he's been living next door to his aunt for however long, he's had to have seen him out here before. Yeah. That was just a year ago. Oh, yeah, yeah that right. makes sense. So I guess that 
he didn't. They didn't live here then. I, I know I'm still on. Oh, that. Okay. It's yeah. probably annoying, but <laughs> well, either that or he's been working up the courage to talk to him for <laughs> yeah. a year. <laughs> it's like he's your favorite author. You yeah. just go over just there, man. Do it. You're gonna regret it if you don't go over. <laughs> but he drops the pages, and they pick them up. And Harold asks him to autograph it. But when he doesn't have a pen, Roger's like, "Why don't we just do this later?" And he is. It's like um Mike Inslin energy, where it's <laughs> like, "I wish I'd never met you." Yeah. <laughs> but don't meet your heroes, kids. Don't meet your heroes. Roger says he needs to get back inside and start working on that new book in solitude. <laughs> Harold says he understands and Roger goes back inside saying, Lord, help me as soon as he closes the door. Because I feel like, you know, Harold's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the minute that you meet him. Well, as we've established, I like to talk to my neighbors as little as possible. Yeah. But... I got to go back to the burgers, man. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> if a neighbor would just offer me a burger, I think right, that's fine. We can hang out. I don't even yeah. care anymore. That's the way to your heart. Yeah. But that night, Roger sits in front of the computer again and is immediately hit with the flashback. This is another thing about this movie is that we go from day to night very quickly. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> like, like what happened to the 12 hours? I know because it's in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny to me. But now it's night and he's working again. In the flashback, their lieutenant, played by Dwyer Brown, tells everyone, including Roger, who's laying on the ground, to get up and get ready. Big Ben, played by Richard Mole, uh, Bull. Yeah, <laughs> Night Court. Yes. He smokes a cigarette and tells Roger that he's sick of being told what to do. As the lieutenant begins to instruct them on their game plan, <laughs> Roger tries to light a wet cigarette before <laughs> giving up and throwing it away. He asks Ben for one, and Ben, annoyed, hands him a tin. Roger opens it to find a snake on top of a pack of Lucky Strikes. Sterling Cooper. Mm -hmm. and It's toasted. It's toasted. <laughs> he freaks out, and Ben laughs, and the lieutenant is not happy. Does Ben keep a snake in there for laughs yes. at all times? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm worried about the snake, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but... The lieutenant yells at Ben, calling him a big dumb ox, and tells them they all need to get their shit together if they're going to get out of here in one piece. And he's not wrong, yeah. but oh. Ben <laughs> is pissed. The lieutenant continues briefing, and suddenly a grenade is tossed into their area. Ben yells at everyone to get on the ground, and suddenly they're under fire. Roger shoots and kills one of the men shooting at them, but then Ben jumps into the clearing and shoots several men, seeming to have the time of his life. He's having too much yeah. fun. It's unnerving. We jump back to present day, and Roger is finally typing and working on his story. He's distracted, though, by the TV, so he grabs the remote and turns it off. And was that his wife in the yeah. show? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. I did want to point out, regarding that flashback, Mm -hmm. the vietnam set looks really good it does yeah. <laughs> like what i'm saying and it's a thing that pops up even more as the film goes on yeah, yeah. and we get more like sides of it and everything i did read from those production notes that are apparently on your fan website right <laughs> um <laughs> they took only three days to build that vietnam set wow Damn. and i think it looks great it yeah does. i mean i know i i wrote that i know oh, yeah. yeah. sorry <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> No, I feel like it's really easy to look at this movie and be like, okay, that was a lot of fun. But if you really pay attention, you can tell that so much was put oh, into yeah. this. And for the budget. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I will say is that the Vietnam subplot, I would like a little more depth in it. That's mm -hmm. fair. But I think it is interesting that they're dealing with it in a horror comedy. 
Yeah, I feel I yeah. can you know? see yeah. how if he wrote this, it was straight horror. Yeah, yes, because I could definitely see that. But I mean, the fact that we have humor in this at all, this is a man who it looks like he's trying to save his career. Right, a Vietnam veteran divorced he's divorced yeah. his son is missing none of this should be funny there's none no of this room. should no. be fun there's no room for laughs here but Zero, somehow but yeah. and yet they persisted <laughs> <laughs> they made it work but with the tv off he hears laughing and looks up to see jimmy's reflection in the window he's giggling but roger uses the remote again and then jimmy disappears yeah he like turns him off or yeah you know. I'm going to need that explained to me. (laughs) It's a universal remote. Uh, I'm going to mute my kids. (laughs) But he hears Jimmy laugh again and heads upstairs to investigate. He hears Jimmy's voice leading him to his aunt's bedroom, which I'd be like bracing myself to see some shit Mm -hmm. after last time. But he opens the door and goes inside. And just before he opens up her closet door, he tells himself he must be crazy and leaves the room. Later, while he's brushing his teeth before bed, you um, ever brushed your teeth before, man? It <laughs> <laughs> is the sloppiest. Yeah, it's really strange. It's falling out of his mouth. I'm like, did he and hit then, the booze before? No, he he. When he puts the toothpaste on his toothbrush, he like licks the tube of yeah. toothpaste. Dude, don't, don't waste do, it. That I is so unhygienic. Please, please don't be doing that. But <laughs> waste not want not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He catches himself in the mirror and makes up his mind. He goes back to his aunt's bedroom and approaches the closet again, and he rips it open with a sharp musical sting to reveal just an empty closet. He starts to leave, but the clock strikes midnight and he turns back. He opens the door again to reveal a fucking huge (laughs) malformed monster with big clawed hands and multiple faces on its body. Yeah. It slashes at him, cutting through his robe before he's able to get the door closed. So I know what you, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> he fearfully walks. <laughs> he fearfully walks away from the closet, and we get a swipe transition yeah. to the morning. Do not star wipe to the next day. This is a very big deal. And then you just make it like, oh well, that was yesterday. Well, right, that was last night. <laughs> Moving forward, no, that was the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, that was fucking terrifying. And we're just gonna pretend like it was. So anyway, guys. Yeah, no, that was a big fucking deal. He even turned on a lamp, yes. which I appreciated before he opened mm-hmm. the closet. He's like, oh well. Yeah, but oh my still God. no. So that next morning, no. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to point out in those production notes, I guess this monster was called the War Demon. Ooh, I can totally see that. Yeah, because they said, I guess the design idea behind it was mm. that it was supposed to look like napalmed. Oh, wow. shit. Like bodies that are stuck together. Oh, my God. Two things about that. Number one, I think it's very interesting that they're choosing to exploit his Vietnam yeah. memories. Yeah. Well, but if you remember, his aunt told him it knows everything yeah. about you. Yeah. So that's the straight shot to his like trauma bone. So trauma bone. I don't know. <laughs> Everything's, Everything's a bone. A bone. <laughs> I don't know. But it's interesting to kind of think, and obviously I know there's three sequels that have been made and I've seen none of them. Neither have I. But I would imagine that each person that goes into the house would have a different experience because it's exploiting your trauma Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting thought but i did also read about the war demon it took 15 people to operate it fucking hell (laughs) it was 18 feet long 
and 17 people worked 10-hour days, six days a week to create it. Holy nice. shit. It looks amazing. Yeah, hell Even for yeah, today, it does. Like, yeah. it, 18, like, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number one. It's fucking huge. And I did want to point out about the bathroom. There's a lot of shots of that mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> But casually, the next morning... Because <laughs> nothing happened the night before, I mean. Roger steps outside as a truck full of equipment pulls up to his house. We go inside to see that he has set up several cameras to face the closet and is himself wearing his military gear. He puts on goggles and pulls a rope that he's tied to the doorknob of the closet in a trial run. Once the rope <laughs> is gently pulled, he runs out of the... room rolls down a flight of steps jumps down the second flight from the landing slides on the floor to the entryway bursts through the door screaming into the night and he also power slides like a fucking rock star he drops to his knees and cries out in triumph (laughs) aka power sliding Mm -hmm. only to find harold with his dog standing on the lawn yeah why are you walking your dog on my lawn but great question Um, yeah anyway I i will say the theatrics are a bit much it's I love Fantastic. it. <laughs> but I do I do appreciate that after he did see that terrible thing that they tried to star wipe from our memory. Yeah. That he's like, okay, no, we're gonna paranormal activity yeah. this bitch. Like we're gonna yeah. figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. I like that. Mika, this is how it's done. Oh, yeah. Okay. No Ouija board. No, yeah, no. no Ouija board bullshit. <laughs> but <laughs> Harold's literally just like, what you doing? Yeah. <laughs> He says nothing. He's just working on his new book. Now he's got to get back. And uh, Harold's like, solitude. And Roger's like, right. There you go. Bye. He just casually walks back inside like he wasn't just doing the weirdest shit in the fucking world. (laughs) And Harold is like, huh, writing looks like fun. (laughs) From inside, Roger stares wide-eyed out the window as Harold goes back into his house. Through his yard. Yeah. Through his yard. Back upstairs, Roger carefully positions all the cameras and rechecks the rope before getting back into position. He gets up all his guts, counts to three, and pulls the door open to reveal a regular-ass empty closet. Now, Joan Crawford wouldn't be happy about the wire hangers inside, (laughs) but otherwise, it's unremarkable. Now, he is very surprised to see that the closet is empty. Yeah, it's like, come on, dude. But in my brain, I would connect it right to the clock, striking midnight. Because literally, you opened it at 11.59 and there was nothing, and then you opened it at 12 and there was something. And then you nearly got fucking shredded. Yeah. (laughs) But Roger stares in confusion before turning off his spotlights, and then we get another slide transition. Roger is now walking around the house drinking a beer. The clock strikes midnight and finally the light bulb goes off in his head. He rushes upstairs. He turns on the lights and checks the equipment again before grabbing the rope. Just before he fucking pulls the rope, the bedroom door opens and in comes goddamn Harold with some beers and snacks. Yeah. (laughs) This man, hang on. Hang on. First of all, Roger screams and then Harold screams is like, what's going on? But I just want to take a moment to discuss the audacity of this man. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate the snacks like a lot. (laughs) I like snacks. He carried a tray. He opened this man's door. Yeah. You really walked the fuck into my house. Looked around the the first floor and was like, huh, he's not here. He walked up the stairs. There are 8,000 rooms upstairs. Yes. How many rooms did he fucking look in before he found Roger? <laughs> knock, and knock, then knock. just yeah. <laughs> invites himself in mm-hmm. and has the audacity to be like, why? What's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what it's, other neighbors? I can't. Now, I will say 
I would very much appreciate a friend to bring me Chinese takeout at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, oh, Harold, yeah. it is midnight. I was yeah. going to say, also, it's fucking midnight. And I've got a lot going on. <laughs> More than you even know. Yes. But Roger is just like, don't scare me like that. Not even what the fuck are you yeah. doing in my house? <laughs> but Harold's like, I was just bringing you a midnight snack. Solitude is always better with someone else around. That, which I don't know that yeah. you know what. Do you know what solitude means? man? <laughs> <laughs> But when Harold is like, what's going on? Roger takes him down to the dining room, telling him he'll explain it there. In the dining room, we come in on Roger finishing his story, telling him that's why he decided to come here and work on his book. As he eats, Harold laments that life is a bitch. But anyway, what's going on with all those cameras upstairs? (laughs) Roger tests the waters by asking Harold if he believes in ghosts. He says that his aunt thought this house was haunted. Harold says that Roger's aunt was Looney Tunes. I think we're kind of outside of ghosts yeah yeah i was like you thought that was a ghost yeah yeah that was a little more than a fucking ghost maybe what maybe when you saw your aunt that was yes. a ghost. yeah but i never met a dude that looked like that a yeah t- <laughs> <laughs> also it ripped up your robe uh-huh with fucking oh. sharp hands yeah but okay like the babadook yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> roger asked harold if he thinks he's looney tunes and harold's like no but you have been to vietnam lost your son and you're going through a divorce so but i mean you seem fine right now roger says that he thinks the house is haunted too harold says that he finds this stuff interesting but there's always a reasonable explanation for it that's when roger tells him he saw a ghost in the closet upstairs which that's not a ghost yeah. playing fast and loose with ghost but <laughs> harold says this he must just be imagining it roger pulls up his shirt to reveal scratches left by the monster and asks if this is just imagination as well Harold's like, well, where's the monster now? Just hanging out in the closet. Can you not put oh together God. the cameras? And yeah. you know, yeah. Roger says he doesn't know. And then finally, Harold's like, oh, you were doing paranormal activity shit. <laughs> Standing up and making his way to the door. Harold tells Roger that if he's able to get a photo of it, he'd love to see it. He like seems nervous at this point. Yeah. Like He wants to get the fuck out of here. But as he makes small talk about Sandy's TV show, he steals Roger's contact book from next to his phone now again i understand what's coming next and i know his heart is in the right place i don't know that his heart is in the right place okay fair enough (laughs) i think he's like this looks like it could be interesting Uh to watch he's like you got roger corman's number in here like (laughs) shit i mean it might be a matter of him just wanting to talk to some celebrities yeah he was pretty starstruck when he met this dude yes he was but roger just thanks him for the food and harold's on his way We cut to Harold immediately making a phone call from (laughs) one of the numbers in Roger's book. At Sandy's house, she answers the phone asking who's calling. And she looks like she was asleep. But Harold's just like, it's Harold. Well, it's past midnight. Yeah. Yeah. But who the fuck is Harold? Yeah. Who are you, dude? (laughs) Did you live in this house or not? (laughs) Because he says he's a friend of Roger's and apologizes for calling so late. But Roger doesn't seem like he has his act together. He's having flashbacks and hallucinations and seeing ghosts. And Sandy says she can't come because she has to be on set at 630 in the morning, but she'll call Roger. Harold's like, well, I'll keep an eye on him. It's like, who are you? (laughs) But Sandy gives him her daytime number, which he is happy to write down. He tells Sandy he'll call her if something bad happens and they get off the phone. She immediately punches in Roger's number. Cut to the phone ringing at Roger's house, but he's busy typing away at his book and he doesn't answer. Instead, we go into another flashback. The lieutenant is asking one of the men to take point, but they all refuse until Ben speaks up and volunteers. The lieutenant commends him, but the rest of the guys laugh at Ben for being stupid. 
The lieutenant says that means Roger goes with him. And Roger's like, wait, <laughs> <Why>? what? <laughs> ben takes point with Roger right behind him. When Roger asks that Ben slow down, he makes the chicken sound yeah. and just keeps going. Dude. I'm like, is this arrested development? But it pissed him off really yeah. bad to hear it. Well, Roger finally tells him to stop when he hears the branch snapping. But Ben only stops to call out so that they can find out where they really are. Yeah. Mm. Roger asks him to wait, but Ben says he has to keep moving and does just that. Back present day at his computer, clearly bothered and upset, Roger inhales sharply and steps away from the computer. He is sweaty and running his fingers through his hair, clearly affected. Oh, yeah. So, and this is when I was like, okay, so some real shit must have went down. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. Because you, you got, got shredded by uh-huh. a closet monster last but night. But this is fucking and you And this is stopping you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just star wiped in the morning when you got shredded, but this, <laughs> you got to stop and sweat. You're profoundly affected. Mm-hmm. He paces back and forth until he sees one of Jimmy's toy cars on the floor of the living room. He picks the car up and calls out to his son, but there's no answer. He walks over to the fish on the wall <laughs> and eyes it suspiciously. But when he turns away, the eye of the fish follows him. I have to tell you, I don't know if this is just on a personal level. I was so happy that fish was alive. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> when I saw its eye move, I'm like, yes. I'm very happy about yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> But he looks back at it and the fish just gives it up and starts slamming itself against the wall. (laughs) Roger picks up a trophy and tries to beat it, but it doesn't stop. He goes into that studio and grabs a shotgun and loads his pocket with shells. He hears something from deeper inside and goes to investigate armed with the shotgun and the flashlight. But he sees that the tools on the wall are moving on their own. An axe comes toward him, but he moves out of the way. When the hedge clippers, scythe, and shovel start coming toward him, he runs <laughs> and slams the door. Okay, so I know Evil Dead 2 came out the year after this, mm-hmm. but uh-huh. I'm getting definite Evil oh, Dead no, 2 yeah. vibes. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. For sure. It's very heavy. And I forgot to mention with the closet monster, did you get the vibes from fucking Hellraiser? Whenever Kirsty's being chased by that thing. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm starting to feel like, and I think Hellraiser wasn't out yet either. No, I don't think so. No. So I'm, I'm like, I'm starting to be like, what, what influenced, yeah, well, you know, or were we just I at a point? I didn't think about that, but it does. Yeah. It really does look like that. It like, it, it was hitting me. And there's a few more in here that I'm like, that had to be an influence on, and we'll get to it. Yeah. But, okay. You know. Just interesting, again, because nobody talks about this movie. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But from the outside of the studio, they all hit the door and poked through the outside. So they were like coming with a vengeance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Roger falls on his way back into the house, spilling the shells on the floor and kicking a couple under the table. He finally approaches the fish, loads the gun, and shoots. The fish is having a blast. It's going nuts, dude. (laughs) It weakly cries out and then stops moving. Its eyes are still rolling around, and Roger throws a towel over it. Okay, now I have to say, before he shoots the fish, to the left of him, you clearly see a crew member (laughs) holding a boom mic. Now, it is so clear... You can make out the crew member's shirt. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> and his fucking wristwatch. It, like, was, it, a, is... it was a ghost. It, yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The film is perfect. So yeah. It couldn't have been a crew <laughs> member. No, they put it there on purpose. But it makes me laugh every time because the music swells 
as you see the yeah. crew member. Dude, so it's it, like it was meant to be <laughs> about the crew member. <laughs> I know I keep joking about this being perfect. It's obviously not perfect, mm-hmm. but shit like that adds to it for me. Yeah. At the Fair. imperfections of it. It's like, man, this is this is great, man. <laughs> This whole thing with the swordfish, mm-hmm. as a kid, honestly, that was a fear of mine for a little while. Really? Because I was like, is that fucking thing going to come alive on the wall? Every and then, mounted well, fish? Well, you got to like think, deer too, head. Evil Dead, yeah. Yes. The deer head. Mm-hmm. That was the scariest fucking thing when I was a kid. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, is that thing... You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But later, Roger washes his face in the bathroom sink and picks up the bottle of Valium again. But before he can take one, a loud noise causes him to jump and spill the pills into the sink. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, doesn't he shut the mirror at this point? Because I'm like, again, where's my payoff to this mirror? Right. Yeah. It's just a mirror to stop. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I've, I've let you all down. <laughs> <laughs> but he opens the bathroom door to find the tools from the studio floating <laughs> and ready. <laughs> The shovel hits the shotgun and falls to the ground broken. So the shovel wasn't really about that life. Mm -mm. He runs past the rest of the tools and closes the door before running downstairs. We can see through the windows that it is daytime now. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Somehow. He frantically loads the gun and looks up to see Sandy standing in the entryway, which you look, this doesn't look good, dude. Yeah. She explains that she tried to call but didn't get an answer. She came because she was worried and wanted to see him. She asks what he's doing with the gun, and he's like, nothing, and then sets it on the table, but the shells roll onto the floor. Sandy bends down to pick the shells up, but when she comes back up, she's a fucking witch monster (laughs) wearing Sandy's clothes. I want to say very quickly that this monster is played by Peter Potofsky. That's another weird thing is that the monster versions of people are not played by the same people. No. In this movie. I thought that was odd. Um, First of all, did you jump? Yeah. Well, you're like, (laughs) this is a two. I remember this. This was like, I was like, yeah. (laughs) For me, it's the accessories because this thing still has the red nails, rings, the jewelry, the purple dress, everything. So the other thing I wanted to point out is that this was very reminiscent to me of the monster that we see on the Corman's Calamity episode of Tales <gasps> from the Crypt. Yes, dude, I love that episode so much. It's a much. great one. But no, that's literally it. Right? Yes. It was so oh, much so. Oh, man. Yeah, first of all, we got to watch oh, that too. Man. <laughs> but I, I went and I looked it up. I was like, did the same makeup person do this? And they didn't. So it's just like another thing. But another Influence. interesting yeah, side note is that the original writer of the film... Fred Decker, mm-hmm. he wrote the teleplay for the Tells from the Crypt episode <gasps> uh, and all through the house. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. So there's wow. a there's a connection there, yeah. even if it isn't through Corman. Corman? Well, Corman's Calamity? Roger <gasps> Corman? What are we what doing? What the fuck? <laughs> what have we stumbled on? Did we solve it? I what, feel like we're- What were we solving? We're, <laughs> we're Pepe Sylvia <laughs> yes. in right now. We got the, the red yarn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the witch monster laughs wildly as it comes toward him. Roger shoots it and it squeals flying backward through the front door. All this commotion wakes up Harold, who was sleeping on the couch after a long day of meddling. (laughs) We see Sandy shot in the stomach and dead on the porch. Sandy, not the monster. Right. I was like, shit. Yeah, Yeah. fuck, dude. But from Harold's view, from his window, we see Roger standing on his porch and holding a shotgun. He immediately calls the police to report a suicide attempt. 
how do you make that leap? I don't know. Harold is just messy as yeah. fuck. I think he just wants to see the drama. Yeah. Like, honestly, he's like, oh, wants to be involved. This getting, yeah, this is getting good now. So they're not best friends? They're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're frenemies. Fair enough. But Roger drops down to Sandy, panicked and sobbing. He hears the sirens and picks her up, bringing her into the house and laying her body in a Harry Potter style cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> What's the response time for these cops? I was like, yeah. <laughs> is the police station next door? This is a yeah, nice that neighborhood. Was fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, no shit. He picks up the knocked over table and steps out onto the porch just as the police pull up. And he, for someone thinking that he just murdered his ex-wife, he pulls no. his shit together real quick. Yeah. He picks up the shotgun and pretends to clean it, complete with nonchalant whistling. Well, he's got to look chill. <laughs> <laughs> that just, that doesn't look, I was like, oh no. Yeah. But the cops show up and cop number one, played by Alan Autry, instructs him to drop the gun, raise his hands and come toward them. Roger obliges. The cops say that they got reports of someone firing off a shotgun and he explains that he was just cleaning it and it went off. He didn't even know it was loaded. Cop number one says it's still against the law to discharge a weapon in city limits, so he's getting a citation. He then recognizes him as Roger Cobb and apologizes about his son. He almost gives himself away because yeah. when he says he's going to give him a citation, he like goes, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's like, why would you? Unless there's something worse. Unless yeah. you should be getting something worse. Exactly. But cop number two, played by Stephen Williams who has been in a lot of shit, but we just talked about him as Leroy Hanlon and it. Right. But anyway, he's like, are you the same Roger Cobb that wrote Blood Dance? Which I just want to read Blood Dance at yeah. this point. But <laughs> when they find out he is, they're like, well, why didn't you say so earlier? Well, what could I, when could they? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They, I, they, I wrote Blood Dance. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Roger Cobb, by the way. Like, there's no point. But cop number two asks if he can have a favor. Roger assumes he wants an autograph, but he just needs to use the restroom. Roger's <laughs> like, no. I mean, yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> and leads him inside. Harold walks over and cop number one immediately tells him to beat it. But Harold's like, but I was the one. <laughs> like, yeah. You were literally about to. I just, just I can't walk right in. Yeah. Roger's like, goodbye, Harold. And goes inside with the cops. <laughs> He tells cop number two to use the restroom down the hall. But when he sees that it goes past the cupboard under the stairs, which has the door ajar now, yeah. he directs him to another bathroom. He hastily offers cop number one a cup of coffee, then is like, no, you're probably in a hurry. But Harold's Weasley ass <laughs> lets himself into the house again and is like, coffee sounds great. Yeah. And cop number one is like, yeah, <laughs> I would punch Harold in his fucking yeah. face. Oh, yeah, he, no coffee. <laughs> But in the kitchen, he offers them their cups with shaking hands. He looks guilty as shit. That's what I was like. At, at no point is the cop like, uh, no offense, Mr. Cobb, but you look nervous as shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, never. He drops a spoon. And when he drops down to pick it up, he stares horrified at those two shells that got kicked under the table. Harold is like, oh, here, I got it. Like loud as fuck. He picks it up and the policeman's like, no, I got it. And mm. takes the shells from Harold. Roger just glares at Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Cop number one asks for an explanation since Roger said he was just cleaning the gun. And Roger's like, there's no use in having a gun if you don't load it one time or another, which isn't really an explanation. No, no but, but the, the cops, cop. He's like, that's fine. Yeah. Just don't be cleaning a gun yeah. while it's loaded. And Roger's like, you bet. And then that's it. <laughs> He excuses himself, though, and finds cop number two looking at a painting on the wall. 
It's of a naked woman disintegrating into dust with the tools of the same variety as the ones in the studio attacking her. See, that's and that's what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah. One thing I did want to point out, though, is that he asked the cop what he's look, what he's doing. And he's like, oh, I'm just looking at this thing on the wall. It's like, you mean a painting? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? I mean, granted, it's a weird painting, but... Yeah. <laughs> But he invites him to come into the kitchen with everyone else for coffee. And he turns and runs directly into cop number one, who's like, it's time for us to go. Roger realizes that the shotgun is no longer where cop number two left it. And he goes, my gun (laughs) plays it off. He sees the cupboard door open and quickly rushes the three men, Harold included, out of the house. Harold should be apologizing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he called... But Roger doesn't know that. But he knows that. (laughs) (laughs) But with them gone, he goes back inside and straight to the cupboard. He arms himself with a fire poker and throws the door open to reveal nothing but storage shit. Would that be even scarier? Yes. Yeah, because and then I'd be like, it's so somewhere. Is my wife dead? Or? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is be like, what did I fucking imagine that? Yeah. Or do you know? But then he hears the door close upstairs and goes up. The door to his aunt's bedroom closes right in front of him, and he opens it to see the closet door close. The score again goes nuts as Roger cautiously opens the door. Monster Sandy stands up behind him. Just as he reaches for the doorknob, she hits him in the head with the butt of the shotgun and bam, bitch went down. (laughs) In a laughing, high-pitched voice, she asks him, where's your son, Roger? You'll never find him. He's dead. It's very personal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? But Roger says he's not dead. He's somewhere in the house. She pushes the barrel of the shotgun to the back of his head and tells him to say his prayers. She pulls the trigger, but the empty gun just clicks and Roger fights back. She falls against the wall and he runs away and falls in the hallway. <laughs> she hits him with the gun again. When he falls, he was not tripped. He was not. He just no, is he clumsy. Just falls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Roger thinks quickly and opens the bathroom door, releasing the vengeful garden tools. They stab into her and the clippers go last, easily just fucking cutting yeah. her head off. Mm-hmm. The head falls to the floor and her body falls behind it. Inexplicably, Linda Ronstadt's You're No Good plays as Roger gets out a trash bag and gathers up the monster's head and buries it in the yard. This is the point where I'm like, this is the best movie I've <laughs> yes. ever fucking yes. seen. No, yeah. I... I <laughs> I have never been more caught off guard by a music cue <laughs> in the history of me watching films. It was the most surprising, confusing. No, it's, it's perfect. I don't yeah. know why, but I love it so much. I was running through my head. I was like, well, what else could have played here? And I can't. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I knew at a very young age. Like, and now this little whole part yes. here. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. Was... Like, literally, what I remember of this movie. Mm. Like, watching it, I feel <laughs> eight years old. Yeah. And I just love it. And it is. That's how, that's kind of how, even as a kid, I was like, this is the best shit in the world. <laughs> I was like, what, what is this? Is there, what's I don't happening? know what it is about that song that sets it off, but it does. Like, it, it doesn't just even works. make sense. I don't know. But he drags the trash bag wrapped body into the yard and begins digging a hole. A couple things here. 
with a neighbor like Harold, you should probably be doing this at night. That's- yeah. Secondly, you always dig the hole before you bring the body out, Roger. These are all rookie Come on, mistakes. Dude. Have you ever killed anyone before, man? <laughs> <laughs> but the jogger from the other day says hello to him as she gets out of his pool. She's Tanya, played by Mary Staven, and she tells him that his aunt used to let her swim here, and she hopes that he doesn't mind. How about you ask first? I mean... This neighborhood has no boundaries. No, zero boundaries. (laughs) She asks him what he's burying and asks if it's a sapling, and Roger's like, yeah, it's an apricot tree. (laughs) The sandy monster's hand slides out of the bag and grabs Roger's foot, but he steps on it and then smacks the bag with the shovel. I know it is completely illogical that she didn't see this happen, Yes, but... It's so funny. It is. Like, it he's is. really just trying to be cool and, like, whacking this. Ba- like, it, it's ridiculous. It's the most cartoony shit. It's slapstick. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> and I, I have to point out, I don't think she's saying any of her lines. No. And I don't know why no. that is. Because she is an actress. If I'm not mistaken, she was in a couple of James Bond films yeah, before Yeah, and this. I think she's Swedish. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what her real voice is. I've never seen any of the other movies she's in. Uh-uh. I don't know, but yeah, I'm pretty. Maybe she never spoke in those. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She's very pretty, though. (laughs) Fair. But they introduce themselves, and she asks if if he's here with his wife. When he says he's divorced, she looks thrilled, but offers her condolences. Sandy Monster's hand starts reaching for Tanya's foot, and Roger steps on it. This makes him step toward Tanya, and he, you know, touches her arm, and he's like, look, I'm very busy. (laughs) She says she knows when a man has to work and when he wants to play and they should really get together sometime. She finally starts to leave and Roger <laughs> starts beating the hell out of the bag before she's even out of yeah. the yard. <laughs> Let her clear the fence first. <laughs> he has to stop when she turns around and tells him to call if he needs anything. She leaves and he picks up an axe and we cut to him standing in his yard with dozens of freshly dug holes around him as dedicated to the one I love place again for some reason. Yeah. No, I cry. Exactly. That's like, I'm, that's like, it's like, man, what, what is this? Exhausted. Roger washes his face in the bathroom in front of that mirror hmm. and collapses backward onto the bed. We get a shot of the house outside and we see that it's now nighttime as the music continues to play. Inside, Roger looks at a photo of his family before checking all the spooky spots of the house, you know, under tables and closets and drawers. Smart. When he opens a drawer, he finds a small stuffed animal, presumably that belonged to Jimmy, and he kisses it. Finally, he stands in front of the pool, but he hears something and turns around. The trash can dog from earlier has dug up Sandy Monster's hand. So even the dog doesn't respect property no. lines. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. And the hand is still moving. Yes. Roger tells the dog to drop it, but he takes off. He chases him to the front of the house, but the dog is hauling ass. He runs inside to find his car keys, but there's a knock on the door. It's Tanya who asks if he's ready to play, but the camera pans down to a small child who she introduces as her son, Robert, played by Robert Joseph. Just a couple things here. Number one, she really misrepresented her intentions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know that's not what that I thought you not, were talking no, about. Yeah. Not at all. The other thing is I read on Film School Rejects that the kid that plays Robert is actually Steve Miner's son. That- <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So that is cool. Very easy casting there. But she invites herself in and Robert runs off to explore the house. Roger calls after him and sees that Sandy Monster's hand is stuck on the kid's back. <laughs> He tells Tanya to stay where she is and runs after Robert. 
He finally catches him, but when he can't immediately pull the hand off the kid's shirt, he goes in the bathroom with him and closes the door. This yeah. is not okay. No. no. <laughs> and the kid looks fucking horrified. Yeah. yeah. They're really, he's like, look, we can't just traumatize any kid, but if you fuck up I'll my son, my, I don't. traumatize my own child. Yeah, that's fine. I give permission. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> he signs a paper. Have at it. But Tanya calls after them and Robert is crying as Roger tries to pull the hand off of him. He finally grabs it in his teeth, causing it to release its grip. Then he spits it in the toilet and flushes it down. That must have been a doctored toilet because... Yeah, no, I don't yeah. think because <laughs> it's just some dude holding a, wearing a glove I yeah. think, and then just pulling it down. But he brings Robert back to Tanya saying he just had to go potty, but they took care of it, which why are you in the bathroom with my kid? Why yeah. am I bringing my kid over here anyway? Like all of this is completely off base, but they've met twice for maybe yeah. less than two minutes total. Total. Yeah. But Tanya says that she really needs a babysitter. And when Roger starts to say he's too busy, she ignores him. He's such a good looking and nice man. Robert will just love him. She ignores him again as he protests and piles on extra clothes, blankets, a ducky for the bath, stuffed animals. She's literally piling this on top of Roger. How long do you expect this kid to be here? Yeah, (laughs) no. (laughs) She kisses him on the mouth and leaves, promising to be back later tonight. Later... Roger's trying to get more work done, but the soap opera that Sandy is on is playing on TV, and that storyline was juicy as fuck. No, I was like, go on. (laughs) Can we focus in on the TV for a minute, please? (laughs) But Robert is crying on the floor. Roger goes over to him and tries to console him, even proposing that he play with a nice plastic bag. So I think he's just done with this kid. (laughs) But he's inconsolable. He just wants his mom. He takes Robert over to the TV and lays him down on the couch when he starts to get sleepy. He watches the TV long enough to hear Sandy say that anything is possible when you're in love, but then he switches it off and sits back at the computer. He slips back into another flashback. Roger is still following Ben through the jungle, but Ben refuses to slow down. Roger drops down and tells Ben to do the same, but he won't. Suddenly, someone starts shooting at him and Ben screams and drops to the ground. Overcome again, Roger steps away from the computer. It did make me laugh because during this flashback as they're walking, he just goes, Ben, you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is Vietnam, dude. Yeah. You're, you're mean. mean. <laughs> but he goes to the couch to check on Robert, but Robert is gone. He goes upstairs in time to see a small monster leading Robert into a room and closing the door behind him. He opens the door just in time to see Robert pulled up the chimney And he rushes over and grabs Robert by his feet. Getting mad Krampus vibes. Yeah, I was literally thinking the same thing. Now there are two creatures pulling Robert up and Roger is trying to pull him down. These are the only two things that I did not like how they look. Why? I don't know. It just literally looked like there's just a mask on them. I don't know. I didn't really (laughs) like it. They it didn't fit. At least not in my mind with the work that we've seen so yeah, far. Everything mm. else is top shelf to me. Even I even love how the witch monster looks. I just thought they were like little goblin people or something. <laughs> they, I mean, and they are supposed to be. I just, right. I feel like they put so much effort into everything else and they were yeah. this whole segment. Honestly, you know, the whole babysitting thing, the whole babysitting. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's, it's almost like we're watching an anthology here and this yeah, is just yeah, Roger babysitting. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's so this is a special it's feature like, on the DVD. <laughs> it's, it's like a short film or something. It's yeah. so disjointed. I don't know. Robert and the babysitter. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's very funny to me. The other thing that I was thinking about was with the closet monster 
kind of being Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> who the fuck are they? <laughs> yeah. Because the wife is clearly the wife. Yeah. But who are these people to his fears oh, yeah. specifically? I don't know. I don't know. I've always been afraid of small monsters wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> the house knows it. Me too. Yes. But the tug of war continues until Roger finally wins and they come falling down into the fireplace. Later, Roger gives Robert a bath and the two actually start playing, splashing and throwing the sponge at each other. So we're gonna again pretend that that didn't just None fucking happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're laughing and everything. I would I, I would never forget that. Bath time. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? But Tanya finally shows up to pick up her son and Robert is happy, clean and in his pajamas. She thanks Roger and they leave and we get another swipe transition, which again really makes it feel like this was just, you know, it'd be funny if like yeah. the baby's had a kid during all this. Like, I, I mean, don't know. I know the movie's short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would also like to point out that that kid is business in the front party. In yeah. The back. <laughs> it was the 80s. Okay. Yeah. Fair. But literally you take this chunk out of the film and nothing changes. No. <laughs> You could just leave the subplot to him seeing her on the street. Right. Her using his pool. We don't need it anymore. Well, maybe it's maybe that was her dog and she asked him to to watch her dog for like nothing. Yeah. There's nothing about this that needed to happen. But no, I'm happy you're, about it. No, I'm yeah, still happy I mean, about it. Steve Miner's like, I need my kid to debut <laughs> <laughs> in a film. And he's not great. good enough to play Jimmy. No. So. And he can't play the dog. So <laughs> But that part is so funny to me because it's just like, why is this? Why is any of this happening? I have no idea. But just a bit before midnight, Roger paces back and forth anxiously by the door. Finally, Harold lets himself in with beer, saying he hopes he didn't miss the beginning of the movie. Miller is facing the camera. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Roger immediately comes clean that he didn't invite him over to watch a movie. He invites him upstairs, asking if he's ever gone hunting. Once in his aunt's room, he says that he must have been mistaken that day because it wasn't a ghost. It was a huge raccoon and it's trapped in the closet. When he said it wasn't a ghost, I was like, oh, yes, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Raccoon. No. He still thinks it's a ghost. Mm. Harold asks what Roger needs him to do. Happy to help. Roger pulls out the harpoon gun from the studio and gives it to Harold. He puts goggles on Harold and explains that the raccoon goes out through the attic to feed, then comes back into the closet. You sound. (laughs) (laughs) So Harold needs to shoot it right between the eyes to keep it from getting away. And to time things just right, he's going to open the closet door at 12 midnight. Exactly. I don't. Okay. (laughs) This is a really weak diversion or story or whatever. But he arms himself with the fire poker and stands behind a mattress, reminding Harold to make sure he's out of the way before he shoots the harpoon gun. In his defense, that realtor almost killed him. Yeah, yeah. with that same gun. So, But this is something like there's payoff to everything in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He drops the shells under the table. It comes back. Mm-hmm. This realtor's playing with the random ass harpoon gun. It comes back. We're talking about the fish. It comes back. Like... I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I like when you set something up for a reason. Yeah. Now, everything but the babysitting. Everything. Well, <laughs> I mean, like you said, huh. she kind of led him on a little differently and then was like, hey, check it out. It's like, but that's like sitcom it stuff. Out. It is. It <laughs> like is. This babe's coming over. She said she wants to play. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. It's, it's so fucking it, funny. It's, it's mm. weak. But... <laughs> But the clock announces that it's midnight and Roger carefully opens the door. The monster immediately comes out and slashes at the mattress, cutting into it. 
in any other movie, nothing would happen because Harold's here. Yes. Right. But no, this shit is happening. Hey, this creature is punctual. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's midnight. <laughs> Harold screams and does not shoot the harpoon gun. Roger starts beating it with the fire poker and yelling at Harold to shoot before the monster just tosses him to the side. Harold finally does shoot, but the line is attached to the arrow. The monster just screams and runs into the closet, taking the gun with it. Roger's foot gets caught in the rope and he's pulled into the closet. He begs for Harold to help him to hold on to him. So that that he can do, but he tells Harold to shoot him again. I'm like, do you not know how, harp- yeah. how a harpoon works? <laughs> I thought your uncle was an expert. Yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? But Harold snaps into action and grabs onto Roger's hand, promising to hold on to him if it's the last thing he does. And then Roger's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guy. Oh, yeah. I read that William Katz son was on set the day that they filmed this Mm -hmm. and it scared the shit out of him and he was inconsolable watching his dad get dragged (laughs) it's kind of horrifying we're just traumatizing kids left and right but (laughs) we see that roger is being dragged through the jungle in the room harold grabs the fishing pole that the line is attached to and tries to reel it in but the line runs out and is pulled into the closet so he tried he tried but he didn't help at all no no Roger finally gets loose of the rope and finds himself in the middle of the jungle. He immediately calls for Jimmy, but instead he finds Ben still collapsed on the ground. He rolls Ben over and Ben asks Roger to kill him because he knows he's not going to make it. Roger takes Ben's knife, but he's not able to do it. Instead, he says he'll get help, but Ben screams at him not to. We hear gunfire as Roger runs away. He looks back to see the men swarming on Ben and pulling him further into the jungle. Ben screams Roger's name, promising him that he will get him for this. How is this his fault? <laughs> he wanted him to kill him and yeah. he didn't. But I still, I feel I mean, like... I don't feel like he did anything no. wrong, but I can see what happens to Ben. You know, you always want someone to blame. Yeah, but it wasn't your fault for loudly running no. through the jungle. Yeah, and Ben was a fucking dick to begin with. Yeah, you're mean. <laughs> you're mean. <laughs> you're a jerk. I think my thing that I would actually do to change this a little bit is to have it to where something is true that Roger actually did do something wrong. Wrong. Well, I feel you're like, right. and Again, that's why he stopped writing because he's like, oh fuck, that thing I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he blames himself though. Yeah, but still. Whether he was technically in the right or not, this is obviously something he's carried with him. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but you can't just murk a fool in the jungle. I well, mean, I mean, if the, if you get caught, you know what it is. Yeah. So senseless war? Yeah. All wars are senseless. That part. There we go. Breaking real ground while discussing <laughs> Steve Miner's house. <laughs> But Roger runs from the gunfire and hides behind a tree until he notices a brightly lit doorway in the distance. He runs and jumps through as they continue to shoot. And suddenly he's jumping back into his aunt's bedroom through the closet. The closet is completely normal again. Harold is dozing on the mattress after clearly drinking all the beer and starting on Roger's whiskey. I don't know how long Roger was gone for. And that bottle, yeah. that bottle it had was, a little no, bit yeah. left. <laughs> it was quite empty. Yeah. But he hugs Roger. Next, we see Roger helping Harold home, laying him on his couch and covering him with the blanket before we get another slide transition. (laughs) Is this Star Wars? What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Back at home, Roger gets back into bed before seeming to think of something and getting back up. He goes back to the studio and looks at that picture that gave the realtor the creeps. Excuse me, the painting. Mm -hmm. 
The thing. The thing. Yeah. He picks up the towel covering the top left corner, and it's a painting of the open medicine cabinet with Jimmy fucking screaming <laughs> inside of yeah. it. Okay, this kind of pissed me <laughs> off a little bit <laughs> because his aunt painted this and she knows who Jimmy is. Maybe fucking tell, like call Roger and say, hey, look, I don't know what's know motivating me to paint is. these things, <laughs> but I know exactly where your son is. Just for the record. But he rushes back inside and upstairs. He briefly inspects the medicine cabinet before throwing a stool through it, revealing black nothingness on the other side. And to me, that it looks cool as yes. shit. I think the reason it looks so good is because I don't remember seeing a cut between him no. shutting it. They had to have moved it and I you don't know, know what they did. All this stuff behind the scenes. But again, th- that practical effect was fantastic. Yes. And again, the mirror actually, it's a payoff. Yes. Yeah. We were just kidding, guys. Yeah. It did pay off. <laughs> but <laughs> but he throws the can of shaving cream and it takes a little bit before he hears a soft splash on the other side. Mm-hmm. He opens the window and looks outside to see that the outside of the house is completely normal. Well, that's scary. Which makes it even yeah. scarier. Once back inside, a long black tentacle wraps around his arm and tries to pull him into the mirror where mm-hmm. the mirror was. So that painting was a little misleading because that doesn't look like a little boy at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what's in here. Mm-mm. All different kinds of creatures' hands join in, grabbing him and pulling him. Roger grabs a straight razor and starts hacking at the hands that are grabbing him. He's finally able to get free, but yells in after his son. We get a shot of complete blackness with his face in the small window of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of Get Out. I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> going into the sunken it's like place. So Jimmy's in the sunken place. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Don't let the Armitage <laughs> fucking hypnotize you, kid. Never. Mm-mm. But we swipe transition to Roger tying a rope to the toilet and throwing the other end into the darkness. Did they make this in Windows Movie Maker, man? (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. It's great. It's like, this is not casual. This is not a swipe situation. But equipped with a shotgun and a flashlight, he starts to climb down. During his descent, a weird fucking bat creature Mm. with a skull face flies into him and then just flies away but suddenly it comes back and <laughs> literally takes this man's gun from yeah. him yeah and i i love this creature no it yes. looks fucking cool yeah. but it comes back again dramatically flips the gun and then shoots the rope <laughs> sending roger falling into the water below <laughs> the fact that it has room to fly around is terrifying yeah well my thing yeah. was all those hands like where are those Wow. Where are those things? I don't want to know. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm horrified. <laughs> Frankly. But I love that um, this little skull bat was like, put some stank on him shooting the rope. He didn't just shoot it. He's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. yeah, he's like it, doing tricks and shit. Uh-huh. It kind of reminded me of stuff from Evil Dead. Yes. Like, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've and I've always thought that. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that looks really close to it, like a dead eye or like when they have like uh zombies or not zombies but they're just like ghouls cre- yeah, or yeah creatures i think that that's what's so funny to me is that there is some kind of overlap in tone with both films yeah which might explain why you love it so much yeah yeah that's a pretty clear line well mm-hmm. <laughs> well mm-hmm. well But in the darkness of the water, he sees bubbles coming up to the surface and thinks it's Jimmy. He dives back in to look for him. But when he comes back up, he's back in the jungle, which I thought was really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. 
He comes out of the water to find Jimmy in a cage. He runs over and embraces his son the best he can, sobbing. Did anybody else think of Insidious? That's, I literally wrote it down. I said, I feel like this is the exact scene from Insidious. Right? Yeah. He's, He's coming. Like, Daddy, I'm chained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but Jimmy tells Roger that he wants to go home. <laughs> Jimmy tells him that he's coming back, which again, what? Yeah, insidious. <laughs> the red faced demon. Daddy, he's looking. Yeah. <laughs> Was he listening to it? Or yes. Jeez, I didn't even think about right, that. Though? He has to go into the netherworld to get exactly. his son, come back. <laughs> uh, somebody from his past is haunting him. Uh-huh. The lady who was trying to take over his body or whatever. Oh, shit. Yes. See, again, I'm like, there's what a the lot fuck? of shit I'm explaining to do. <laughs> I don't know. But when Roger asks who, gunfire starts. He ducks it and takes the chain off Jimmy's cage, freeing him, which was a lot easier than yeah. I expected <laughs> it to be. I think the chains were just for show. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were stage chains. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he grabs his son and gets back into the water as a figure shoots at them. He comes back up in the same pool that Jimmy disappeared from. Full fucking circle. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Best film ever made. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's dial it back. I... Uh, <laughs> I did like that though. There, I like yeah. movies that bring you back. Yes, I thought that was a very cool moment. The little circles, as my friend yeah. Axel yes. would say. One thing I do want to say is that I read on Film School Rejects. I guess it was on the commentary. Mm-hmm. Miner said that the film originally ended here. What? Yeah, they said that that they did battle with some random creature in the pool, and the movie ends. But <laughs> all right, I'm really glad that they took it. Yeah. yeah, where they take it because where they take it Steve Miner was like look we gotta close another one of those circles here Yeah, and it only makes sense it really does yeah I feel like it'd be like well that's great but there's yeah. kind of an emptiness yeah and yeah. especially the biggest conflict of Roger's life right exactly just is just whatever no yeah. well, it's fine <laughs> he'll be fine <laughs> but they walk through the house and open the front door to find Big Ben's skeleton yeah okay now this is when i went under the covers <laughs> <laughs> dude i don't blame you this looks fucking cool yeah. as shit oh yeah yeah child me couldn't handle it now <laughs> but now now i love yeah. it the weird thing to me is that i love how much you love skeletons yeah, yeah even when i was a thing. kid i love <laughs> skeletons but yeah but he looks fucking like yeah they did a yeah. damn good job on that mm-hmm. but he's still in his tattered uniform and still armed with his gun they saved the best for last. Absolutely. And this was what Miner added. He's like, how the fuck are you going to have that whole thing with Ben and then not close yeah. it? Yeah. Like, I guess. <laughs> but Roger finally puts together that this was all Ben's doing. Ben asked why he didn't just have the guts to kill him. They tortured him for weeks. Roger says he was just trying to get help and he would have died for him. And Ben's like, well, now's your chance. <laughs> Roger slams the door in Ben's face. He tells Jimmy to get out of the house and get some help. He locks the door as Jimmy runs off, but Ben just breaks it with his gun. I'm like, what's that door made of? (laughs) (laughs) He's got skeleton power. There you go. He tells Roger that he's pissing him off before opening fire on him. We see Jimmy struggling to open the back door, which is like, come on, you you lived here or you used to hang out here. I don't know. (laughs) He used to hang out here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's my other question. How long has it been since the kid went missing they said a year so right. is he who's feeding this kid <laughs> <laughs> is he still the same did he grow 
Or was he like in suspended animation for a year? See, that was my thing. Yeah. Too, and that was a question that I had wrote down. I was like, so first, how are you going to explain this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then two, did he age? Because he looks the same. Yeah. Well, they didn't have the kid for a year. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. But Roger dives onto the floor of the living room, but Ben breaks the window and steps inside. Roger breaks a chair on him, but Ben just stays talking shit. I meant to point this out because it kind of pissed me off a little bit. You've been looking for this kid for a year. And then you're like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Go ahead and run away out of my line of sight. (laughs) Just like last time. No, you fucker. Yeah. Keep him with you. Yes. But Roger runs upstairs and hides in the bathroom. But Ben just keeps coming. The medicine cabinet is normal now. So there's no escape there. Mm. Which I would. Would you really want to? No shit. (laughs) He's like, no, I know my way to the pool. The leg bone's connected to the Nemo and I can get there. (laughs) Roger gets onto the window ledge as Ben starts shooting at the doorknob of the bathroom until he runs out of ammo. He gets in just after Roger escapes onto the roof. He gets back into the house through the attic and cautiously comes downstairs. He quietly walks down the hall, but Ben just jumps out and grabs him. (laughs) The fight continues to the stairs where Roger ends up rolling down both flights. This dude, and it's really him. Yeah, Yeah, you see his face. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. But he runs to the front door and tries to open the locks as Ben continues to advance on him. Ben tells him he can't get rid of him and he never will. Fed up, Roger screams and rushes Ben. He tackles him onto the stairs and proceeds to beat his ass, tearing <laughs> off his arm and hitting him with it. Ben continues to talk shit before taking his arm back and just shoving it back in place. Dude, he just plugs it back <laughs> yeah, in like, I'm like nothing happened. Like he's a Barbie. And I'm, then, like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm done. And then he fucking moves his fingers and laughs. Yeah, he's uh-huh. like, see the shit? Did what nothing. You, unaffected. What do you do now? Oh, run. Nothing. <laughs> you don't do anything. But he's laughing and Roger runs. He opens a door to find that the house is now perched on the edge of a cliff with water below it. Roger falls but barely catches himself and he's holding on. Ben tells him that he's lost and starts stepping on his fingers, laughing his ass off. (laughs) He's loving it. Yeah. Now, this shot, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It it didn't look like a green screen. No. No. It's like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm concerned for William. Yeah. He really did this. (laughs) Yeah. But Roger, always thinking quickly, takes off his belt, loops it, and catches it on Ben's hand. He pulls him off, Ben. Mm-hmm. Right. And <laughs> he does what now? <laughs> he pulls Ben off. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it when I said it. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben falls off the cliff and into the raging water below. It's it. The end, right? Yeah. yeah. So Roger comes back into the house and hears Jimmy calling for him. So the little motherfucker never even left the yeah. house. No. And. I just want to point out, you saw Ben hit the rocks. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he did. And so, continue. So, like I said, it's over. <laughs> yeah. He checks the medicine cabinet first, but then turns to see that Ben is holding up Jimmy by his shirt. Ben tells him that years ago, Roger had the chance to kill him, but now he's going to kill his little boy unless he kills himself, which is a little a convoluted. Pull <laughs> <laughs> out of line, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> How many times can you say kill in one sentence? But He puts his knife to Jimmy's throat, telling Roger that it's over and he has no chance. Roger reaches for him and Ben slices Roger's hand, right? Yeah. Like yes. It looked like Roger's no, hand fucking cut, cut his off. hand off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then. But then Roger looks at his hand and it's fine. He tells Ben that he's not afraid of him anymore. He beat him and he beat the house. 
Ben warns him <laughs> not to make him mad or he'll kill Jimmy. But the way he says it's like, don't make me mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But Roger tells him that he can't hurt anybody. He takes the grenade off of Ben's belt, pulls the pin and stuffs it up into Ben's rib cage. He grabs Jimmy and they run. Ben still threatens to get him, but <laughs> he's like, I'll get you for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but soon he explodes and fire explodes out of the bedroom and into the hall. Outside, a cab pulls up and Sandy gets out as the house goes up in flames. Harold's nosy ass runs over from his house and he and Sandy stand in a stunned silence until Roger walks out of the house with Jimmy in his arms. Wouldn't you be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy gets down and runs to his mother who embraces him. Triumphant music swells as Roger smiles at Sandy and she smiles back at him, hugging her son. We freeze frame on Roger's... (laughs) smiling face you're no good plays as the credits roll it's a sitcom (laughs) (laughs) so what did you guys think of house before we get into that i do want to point out there are some similarities between this film and poltergeist as well (laughs) oh shit (laughs) like when you think about the closet kind of being a portal oh Oh, yeah that's a fair point and then just before the film ends someone pulls up in a car and is like what's happening (laughs) (laughs) but i just had to point that out um i won't mix words i love this movie (laughs) Hmm. um the boom mic guy you know he got a little too too close he was excited yeah. man. he's like They're we're making, making the, the best movie film ever. Ever. <laughs> but it, it is it's a fun movie and i think you're right because it does have those similarities with evil dead mm-hmm. and it's like oh this is i love that you yes. know what i mean and and yeah i watched it a lot as a kid so I, that also plays a factor and you know what i mean liking it a lot <laughs> but it, it, it i feel like there's a lot of you know swipes and whatnot (laughs) but the movie it for what it is it's a fun ride Mm -hmm. and that's what it is no i think i do think this movie is a lot of fun i think the most important thing to do if you watch this movie is don't think about it yeah no just enjoy it just enjoy it just watch it as pure entertainment much better if you watch it with a group yeah for sure and i mean i have a lot of fun watching this movie Mm mm-hmm I do have some notes. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah, I know. But it is, it's is—it's a fun time. Yeah. What, what, what more can you say? I adore this movie. That's <laughs> what more I can say. Um, I don't know why. I know I did watch this as a kid. I didn't watch it over and over like you. So I don't know why this has such a place in my heart. I don't know. I can't explain it. It surprises me. <laughs> it's not even really on brand for me i don't know i don't know but here we are and i love it i love it so much the thing is it's funny because every time we talk about rating films this is my example of i don't know how to rate films (laughs) because in my heart this is a 10 oh definitely is this film a 10 it's not a fucking 10. No. I know, we have a lot of fun here at Podmortem, but <laughs> I know that this film isn't actually perfect, but I have such a love for it that it kind of makes it difficult mm-hmm. to distinguish, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I guess we can go into ratings from there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this may be the hardest film I've ever had to rate, <laughs> but uh, I will say the creature design is impeccable mm-hmm. with the exception of those 
little goblin things. I didn't much care for them, but you can lose that whole segment, really. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's a really interesting and compelling story. Uh, the Vietnam War is something mm. that I'm always interested in, no matter how the story is packaged for me. Mm-hmm. So the inclusion in this only kind of bolsters it for me. Um, we love Tommy Ross. Oh yeah. Um, the timeline of the film is quite unclear. Um, <laughs> I literally don't know if it's daytime or nighttime I, in, any, uh... <laughs> in any given scene. Harold is fucking hilarious and infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a blast. I think you said it best. Don't ask too many questions. Don't. This is not an art house film. No. <laughs> there, I, I, to me, and maybe I'm giving it too much credit, I feel like there is a message here about trauma and about giving pain power over your life basically because only when he was able to be like i'm not afraid anymore like i don't carry that guilt anymore was Mm -hmm. he able to defeat (laughs) skeleton big men (laughs) um and that kind of feels like nightmare on elm street yeah oh my god (laughs) no yeah (laughs) craven realty but (laughs) but um and again, maybe I'm I'm giving the film a little too much credit, but I do see that messaging there. Again, I know, I know, dude, I know that this film isn't perfect, mm-hmm. but I have to split the difference between if I wasn't so weirdly in love with this, what I would give it, <laughs> and the 10 that my heart is telling me to give it. So logically, I know this score is too high, but to my heart, it's also too low. So you're just going to fucking have to bear with me here it evens out it evens out i gotta split the difference here so on a scale from one to ten murderous garden tools (laughs) i lovingly with everything in me (laughs) give house eight out of ten murderous garden tools wow it hurt me just giving the eight. Yeah. (laughs) i know everyone knows here that house to me you're a 10 okay but we're here to be honest and I no, have to be yeah. honest about it, but that does not in any way. I will watch this another hundred times. I don't care. It in no way diminishes <laughs> my love for this film. But um, before I start writing a poem to it, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and open the floor. All right. Well, I, I've already kind of said <laughs> how I feel. About uh, and, and I think that's fair because I also would be like, oh, this is 10. Yes. Is but mm-hmm. I'm still carrying guilt. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, realistically, I can see why someone would watch this and be like, this is fucking stupid. It's trash. Yeah. yeah like totally you really. Yeah. That. You really told me to watch this dumb shit. Mm-hmm. It's not for everyone. Just like, you know, every uh, and like hereditary might, might not be for somebody or in that. Mm-hmm. But and I'm mean, not comparing this to hereditary <laughs> by any means. But, <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but like this is special to people mm-hmm. and if you love this movie i mean we'll skip together to go sit down and watch this movie again <laughs> skip like i yeah. will gladly watch this movie again like right now mm-hmm. like it um it is weird uh and i didn't think about that before like you said with the evil dead because yeah. the you know um but i i do too this movie is something that I carried with me through childhood and a teenager and even adulthood. And I still watch it and I'm like, man, this is fucking, this is as great as the first time I seen it. It it is. Um, So for me, it stands the test of time. You know what I mean? With Mm -hmm. 
Um, so with that, on a scale from one to ten, murderous garden tools, I'm gonna agree with your sister, <laughs> but I'm gonna give it an, a half a point for because I'm trying to hold the feelings back. Right. So I'll give it the eight point five. The point five is for the feelings that I'm holding inside uh-huh. to not push it to a ten. <laughs> I appreciate you doing it. Yeah. You did it for both of us. There you go. I respect both of your scores. <laughs> I, but but I, I, I cannot go that high. I do enjoy this movie as something to turn on and just have fun with. Yeah. It's not something that you're going to get a lot of depth. No, not at all. There's no need to debate anything after. No, you, mm. you just have to take it for what it yeah. is. Yeah, I do not have one theory about this <laughs> film. <laughs> but I mean, I got to call out the surprisingly decent special effects yeah yeah um the production design uh-huh william Katz's dedication to yeah. this role he, yes. <laughs> he put his fucking heart and in i this. think that's what it is too is yeah. like he's because you i think you said it earlier you made a fantastic point hmm. if he would have goofed once you would have fucked it this w- movie it yeah. would take you out of it right but him being like on it uh-huh. the entire time it's like you know what you're right there with him <laughs> do i really believe this shit <laughs> <laughs> and he gives you what you need from him no matter what the circumstance yeah, yes. when he's rock sliding out of the fucking house it's the same as when he's cu- like cuddling Ben yeah you know yeah. so he, he means every moment I think my biggest complaints with the film is that I really would have appreciated a little more of an exploration into Vietnam that's All fair right. yeah, yeah that's fair I would have liked it if he literally wronged Ben like if he kind of pushed him forward and fucking slunk into the shrubbery yeah. or something. Okay, yeah. Give him more of a reason to want to kill this dude yeah. and to right. steal his fucking son. Yeah, but <laughs> I feel like we've established Ben was a jerk. He was. You're a jerk, <laughs> he Ben. Didn't, he didn't need much. <laughs> um, One thing that I really think could have helped this film a lot for me is if they really added an element of... Is this motherfucker really seeing this shit or not? Oh, because okay. we, we get a you know? little taste of that but with yeah. Sandy, but then they snatch it right back. And oh, like, yeah. No, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's real enough for a dog to dig it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have loved if it like played with that a little bit more. Maybe said a little more about PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so kind of like a psychological is. Yeah. yeah. But then again, it kind of it, it, it gets into kind of what I said. <laughs> when we covered killer clowns from outer space where i was like well so basically change the film completely to to fit what i want let me just rewrite and we can't we can't do that here but no i I enjoy this film a lot but i mean cut that babysitter subplot yeah (laughs) you know but uh, around that it's just a fun movie um if you've never seen it i recommend watching it absolutely it's funny to me how much you kind of see other horror films. Yeah. Like kind of, they must have watched this movie. They had to have. And it's so interesting because I never noticed any of that until, and I never thought about evil dead until you said that. And it's like, right. (gasps) See, and it's funny because I was talking to dad about this because I I literally told him, I said, dad, I have no idea how to score this movie. It's hard. hard. He said straight up, he's like, well, look at when it came out. Yeah. Look at what it did as far as pioneering certain things. And it obviously did. Oh, yeah. It clearly did. And those practical effects hold up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, with my positives and negatives, I can't go as high as you guys. (laughs) That's understandable. I do apologize. (laughs) But I will give House out of 10 murderous garden tools. I'm going to give House seven 
murderous garden tools. Okay. All right. Out of all 10. Right. I was leaned all the way in. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was really caught, if anybody follows me on Letterboxd, <laughs> I was really caught between a 6.5 and a 7. But the thing that pushed it to the 7 is just the matter of how fun this movie is. Right, right. It's not the best movie. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, I know. I was really, <laughs> I was really surprised at the people in it, and then yeah, uh, yeah. what's his face did the, all the choreographed. Oh yeah, uh, um, uh, Kane Hodder. Yeah. yeah, it's like what? A who's who? It yeah. really is. And I do want to say that I did not take points off for being traumatized by Big Ben as a child. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate House and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, while it's easy to feel walled in by guilt, it's better to confront the skeletons in your closet. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yeah. yeah. Woo. <laughs> you can't see us, but we're all doing the blood dance. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was his book. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read it. A special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huesden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent and Allison O'Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pepperoni Pierre, Jacob Tyler, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, and Karima Rhodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all. Yes, thank you very much. It means the world. Yes. And please know that you're all always welcome in our <laughs> house. <laughs> That's the best thing. <laughs> I had to use the title. It's the greatest uh, film of all time. It's the name of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>